Welcome back to Season 4, Episode 8 of the 10-Minute Break Podcast. Alright, what's up, y'all? We got a packed episode coming ahead of us. We're going to start by talking about Jesuit's recent uh, sports success, including interviewing uh, the wrestling team uh, coach Jonathan Aurelian and senior captain Dom Logides. That will come in a couple minutes. Then we'll move on to talking about Lent. Uh, but we also got to talk about the amazing New Orleans celebration that happens before Lent, Mardi Gras. And obviously, we'll finish with uh, Killing's Concerns, part seven for the final part of the episode. So, boys, welcome back. It's been a two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks? Yeah, it's too been long. long. It's a little been long. Too long. Maybe three weeks, honestly. All right. It's crazy. So, um, Jesuit has um, had some <laughs> recent success with their sports programs, including... Wrestling, huge state title. Basketball, you know, they're really finding their form this season and, you know, gearing up for a nice playoff run. Uh, rugby, you know, they're, they're coming away with their classic dominant wins over... Anyone who dares step on the pitch next to them. Anyone. Anyone. And so uh, it looks like we're going to have yet another year of great Jesuit sporting success in 2023. I mean, the first thing we have to talk about was how awesome was that wrestling championship? Wow. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't able Amazing. to go or, or, or watch it, but I, was, I had the track wrestling website open, and I was refreshing like every 30 seconds during the tournament, and it was awesome. And I even I even uh, texted somebody. I was like, "Hey, if, if Spencer gets on the mat and wins, we're gonna win, right?" And he goes, "Yes, we are." And then he texts me, "Roland, uh, Spencer's on the mat now." And I go, "Awesome! I'm gonna go refresh the page." As I refreshed, it already said Spencer Lenoska with a pin wins 285 title. And I got so excited. It was probably the most excited I've been for a non for a sport that I don't play in. Would you Would you say that you experienced a roller coaster of emotions? Yes, I would. Oh, speaking of roller coaster, <laughs> Spencer Linoska knew how to take the win properly by leading the very infamous roller coaster chant with the gizzard that were there. Amazing. It was an amazing sight. We got it on video, I believe. Yeah. Yes. And oh, I yeah. mean, I, I, yeah, I saw, I saw the video. Of course, we got it on video. I, I mean, I just felt the Blue Jay spirit throughout through that video. I mean, it was just a, it was just a great team wrestling effort. I mean, we had we had two individual state champions, uh, Spencer Linoska at 285 pounds and Bodie Harris at 113. And but other than that, we had so many people in the semis, so many people in the finals, people who just competed really well in consolation brackets, just to to wrestle for the team. And even if they didn't get that individual title, they were still working really hard to get the team points. And I think that just shows how great of a program we are. That. We were fighting for those extra points, even though there was no individual glory in that. It, it's exciting. It really is because, you know, they have such a strong team and they're going to look to, you know, have a lot of success in the future. And with that, we'd like to introduce our guest interview for today's podcast. Um, coach John Rillian, the head coach of the wrestling team and a uh, senior captain wrestler, Dominic Logenes. So obviously uh, there's something joining us on the table today. A uh, little thing over there. Would you like to elaborate on that? Dom, you want to talk about this big trophy here? It's the greatest thing ever created. <laughs> um, uh, it took us long enough to get it. It's finally back home. It's here to stay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. Obviously, we saw that over and over, that last video of Spencer with the 
you know, the roller coaster. How was that kind of play out as, as a coach and as, you know, one of the captains? How what were the emotions kind of going through, the thoughts going through you guys' head as, uh, as you know, you saw him get his pin and he knew that the that you guys had won. I mean, finally, I'm sure it's been, you know, years of work in the making, so. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say at first the excitement of winning, <clears throat> you know, it was just a lot of effort, a lot of hard work put in over the last three years. Uh, so the excitement of winning is just anybody who's been on a championship team knows you know those feelings but then seeing the, the the big guy throw his hands up in the air and get the entire crowd involved uh really it epitomized jesuit winning right i mean just seeing the student section up there seeing those guys go crazy seeing all the enjoyment and smiling faces you know and just led by this this massive guy and personality on the rest of that you know it's it, it was a it was a sight to see i mean from a coaching standpoint it it Made it a little extra exciting, uh, you know, on top of actually winning the tournament. Um, it's cool how uh, even though State was about five hours away in Shreveport, we still had a big gizzard, a big student section there to support the wrestling team. How did that feel, you know, knowing they're right there behind those backs throughout the tournament? Uh, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I mean, I'm sure it was – Extremely exciting for uh, the wrestlers. I'm talking that in a second, but from a coach standpoint, you know, a lot of thanks to, to my brother and Coach Furman for, for kind of planning out that bus and getting that bus up there. I mean, I think it was 47 extra guys that we ended up getting up there, but I, I mean, you could just feel it all over the place. You know, I mean, we really did kind of take over Bozier City and take over that arena. I mean, anybody that was in there just, they wanted to be a part of it. You know, I mean, every, you could see. I don't necessarily want to use the word jealousy, but you could see people wanted to be a part of our program at that point. You can see the excitement on the stands, kids going crazy. I mean, it was we we I, I noticed it when we started kind of making the change to the dual meets. Just our guys really fed off of people in the crowds and having people cheering for them. So to be able to kind of replicate that five hours away up in uh, uh, Bossier City, you know, just I think it made it a little extra special. But from a wrestling standpoint, what was that? Well, from a wrestling standpoint. Uh... You know, I remember seeing videos, like hype videos of when we used to win, and you would just see this big old wave of blue. You'd see this big old wave of blue in, um, in the tournament. And, you know, the first day we didn't have that much, but then the second day you just were, were there. It's like you walk in and you notice Jesuits in the building. And, like, as a wrestler on the mat, like, I remember I won my – to go to my third or fourth place match, like – it was like I was in a dual meet and won a huge match. Like, I got so hype, and I had people cheering for me. And it, it was just like a dream come true. It was beautiful. Great sight to see. One of the things in the wrestling room that is really noticeable is the state championship banner, where it has all the, the holes. And since 2009, there's been one small little hole in the bottom right corner that is going to be filled with the year 2023 for the wrestling state championship. How does that feel, and then... What are y'all going to do with this next banner? Is there going to be another banner? So I, I got a couple ideas. Oh, the banner, the you know, I, I, I've been here for three years. I'd imagine it's probably been said before that, fill in the banner. Is that? No, this is like this year it was, I've been here for five. Um, it's the first time we even thought of like, oh, we need to fill that last spot. So. Yeah, I can just kind of remember my, my first year back three years ago, seeing that and noticing kind of one spot left and it's, just funny how things kind of work out, right? God's kind of got a plan for everything. And, you know, with the, the resurgence over the last three years with the program and really kind of getting ourselves back up near the top, 
Oh, I, I think it just kind of worked out perfect to have one extra spot on that banner and have some uh, motivation there. But we actually have, uh, I have, a, I have a couple parents that brought up an idea that I really like. Uh, I don't think we're going to do a new banner to fill up. I think what we're going to do is, uh, I don't know if you guys can remember, but before they renovated the gym, they used to have those banners hanging up uh, on top of the gym. So I think we're going to do some kind of mini replica ones like that for all the wrestling championships, the now 24 of them for wrestling, and kind of hang those up in our wrestling room and do it right <coughs> now than doing another whole big banner or something like that. What do you think, Don? You know, I'm just glad we got to finish that banner out personally. <laughs> you know, I know how Coach Jono is. He's very, um, he, you know, he, he does very good stuff with, like, you know, showing our accomplishments. So I'm sure whatever he chooses to do, it's going to be it's gonna be something to see. Um, but that banner's done. That's We did our job this year. So that's what I'm happy about. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's great. You know, what a wonderful season, you know, for you guys to compete. I know the... You had close dual meets all year long. Nail biters, you know, came in, coming down to the last the last um, match each time. I know the Catholic duel was pretty close. I know the Brother Martin duel. I watched the end of it, and it was you know it was really close. And so, you know, kind of it was it was great to see you know going into state how kind of everything came together. Everyone was able to you know do what they need to do, and you know all the things came together. And now we've got the the beautiful trophy here. But looking forward, I mean, we obviously finished this banner. How do you go forward and get back to the point where we can, you know, be the perennial powerhouse winning year in, year out? Oh, you know what? They do junior high and JV state now, you know, and it's one of the things I just as a coach that I'm real proud of. And it was something that really last year it happened. We took second in JV state. You know, and it just kind of told me that we were, we're developing everybody in the program, right? It's not just the focus on, you know, these are the guys that are going to wrestle in the varsity state tournament. So it was really kind of a, a good message to send that, like, hey, everybody's going to get better in our room. And then, again, this year, uh, you know, we improved and went to JV State. And uh, we ended up winning JV State this year. And out of the 14 weight classes, we had seven JV State champs out of the 14. We put five other guys in the finals. So, you know, as far as kind of what the plans are for the future, it's, I think it's kind of written in the accomplishments there. You know, we're, we're by no means planning on slowing down anytime soon. I told the guys after we won, you know, the goal wasn't to win this year, right? The goal is to constantly put ourselves in positions to be state champions. And I think, you know, overall, we're doing a good job of that. Uh, Coach Furman is, is absolutely crushing it with the young guys in junior high. We took second in junior high state this year. Uh, by I think I think it was you know 15 to 20 points or so you know so I think we're doing a good job of really kind of developing everybody and uh, you know there's it it can be easy to you know win it and take a step back and forget what got us here but I can pretty much promise these seniors and Dom sitting over here that I'm not going to let these guys forget that ultimately it was hard work that that put us on top and we're going to continue to put that effort in and try to do it again for multiple years here. Um, so varsity and JV, they all practice in one in the same room, basically, right? Correct. So, uh, do you think it helps that JV gets to experience the varsity's level of competitive competitiveness, and do they ever like wrestle each other or learn from each other? Yeah, the JV I mean, and the seniors? it's a kind of an open room, right? Guys are going to work out with different guys. Uh, you know, and what we mentioned earlier, having all those guys up at the state tournament, you know, I think that was huge to for them to be a part of that and to watch it get done, you know, because it just, it's just motivation, right? Those guys throughout the year seeing, 
you know, big matchups and dual meets and seeing those big wins and the excitement that comes with it. I think it's just motivation for those young guys to just say, hey, I'll, I want to be that guy one day. You know, and I, I think our older guys have set great examples from a work ethic standpoint in the wrestling room. And it, it's, it, you know, it, I just said it earlier, but it, none of this comes easy. I mean, it takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. And I think our older guys like Dom and the, you know, the other seniors and upperclassmen have set really good examples on this is how we work. This is how we do it. But then for them to be in the practice room with the older guys and to be at the state tournament and really see these matches and see the excitement, see guys win these big semifinal matches. And, you know, we had two state champs this year and, you know, to see Spencer do the roller coaster after, right. It's just, it's, it's giving them reasons to continue to work hard to say, Hey, I want to be in that position one day. So I I definitely think it's beneficial for those young guys to be around the older guys in the practice room at tournaments, you know, and it's, we, we do a good job, I think too, of throughout the year, we're, we're sliding guys in those pressure positions. And it's not always kind of the, the 14 starters that wrestle at the state tournament. We put a lot of different guys into different dual meets and, you know, they're, they're feeling the pressure of what being a starter in our team is, you know, and it's that's a big part of it. You know, you have to be able to handle that pressure to ultimately find success at the state tournament and find success in these big tournaments. Well, thank you guys um, for, you know, coming on today and kind of sharing what it's like from an insights per- perspective uh, on winning a title like this. Um, best of luck for the future. And once again, congratulations on y'all's success this season. Appreciate you guys. Go Jays. Uh, uh, wait, do, do y'all hear that? Is, is there someone walking into the door? Oh my gosh, y'all. We have Father Dyer coming back from Denver to join us on this podcast for the third time. He is, Welcome. He is our, our most prevalent guest, and he doesn't even work at this school anymore. Welcome, Father Dyer. Good to be with you, fellas. I, I was just in town. I just came from the cafeteria where I got some lunch and charged it to Father Kramer's account. <laughs> like you should. Like you should. It should happen. But then, you know, the Lord, you know, he sought retribution for my misdeeds. So then when I see LT in the yard, uh, he comes over, give him a hug. Everything scatters to the four no. winds on the ground. Every chicken nugget on the ground. The chicken sandwich, both buns and the patty on the ground for m- much longer than the five-second rule. How could you let that happen? Though? I might just have to bad, go bad back. Form. It was a bad form on the hug. You forgot yeah. about the chicken. Mm-hmm. Next, oh. There were just too many things going on at one time. You have to make an audible in that situation, Father. I need more situational awareness. God works mysterious ways. God does. Oh. So speaking of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, um, we're heading into the Lenten season here in in I guess about a week. And so I guess let's uh let's talk a, a little bit, especially with Father Dyer, about you know what what you can do as a you know Catholic to, you know, fully utilize this season of preparation for the Lord. Any initial thoughts on that, Father? Well, let's see here. A few thoughts. Let's go down New Orleans knows how to celebrate Lent because it knows how to celebrate Mardi Gras, right? You know, you have Mardi Gras ahead, so you have you have that period. But then life also has the side that you have to look at the uh, the fallen part of humanity. So, you know, we go back forty. The number forty is going to be a time of testing. You know, Jesus forty days in the desert. The the Jews 
you know, in the uh, desert, 40 long years, the, this is a time where we need to be tested in some way. So when we're little, I think we learn to give something up, and that's good enough. We kind of test ourselves by giving something up. But then at a certain point, you realize, okay, that can be pretty cheap. And so then people will get that, oh, well, it's, I'm just going to have a different attitude during life. Hey, I like that. That's good to have a different attitude. But then you realize, hey, if I don't do something specific, I'm always going to let myself off easy. So when is the time to come up with specific ways to bring yourself closer to God and make up for the things that are fallen in life? One of the things that we've done that historically was with sodality. I mean, something you, I think, started was the, the Vinci Te Ipsum, conquer yourself, as, like a, as a way to kind of get past those things which hold you back in Lent and truly become like a man ready for God by the end of Lent and trying to get away from all the, the distractions and temptations of daily life. And uh, we have the prefect of sodality here with us who's here to discuss not Vinci Te Ipsum, but maybe even a level above Vinci Te Ipsum. You're leveling up. I didn't know it was possible, but we found a program that does it. It is called Exodus Lent. Mm -hmm. Basically, it resembles Vinci Te Ipsum with multiple challenges of prayer, of sacrifice, but it kind of multiplies that. So it starts with the prayer um, around, it expects around 20 to 30 minutes of silent prayer mm -hmm. a day, plus reading the gospel and reflection. And then you have a bunch of asceticisms that you have to give up, such as no sweets, no sodas, no snacking, uh, strict fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays if allowed. Um, big one for all of us, boys, only phones. You can only use your phones for communicational purposes. Nothing else. No entertainment. I like no, it. No uh, TikTok, no social mm -hmm. media. You can only watch TV with friends. You can only play video games with friends. I mean, the, the hardest thing for me, I think, was looking at the sheet is, you can only listen to music that uplifts God. So somebody Ooh. over so somebody over here like Father Dyer is gonna have to give up his Snoop Dogg for, for yes. You know the amount of Snoop Dogg that I listen to. You know it's inordinate. It is inordinate <laughs> the amount of Snoop Dogg I've been listening to. The D O double G right? What's Snoop Dogg's favorite weather? Wait wait wait. Oh I got it. I got oh, it. I know it too. The drizzle. It's a little bit. You drippy. know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, certainly that's it's. It's something you have to devote yourself to and be mindful of. You can't just say you're doing it and it's just going to happen. And you have to constantly be attacking that kind of program every day. And one thing I will say it loses is uh, no more cold showers, Father. Oh, they, they don't do the cold shower for they're, Exodus they're, Lent. They're taking it easy on us for Exodus Lent. It's, no it's, cold shower. it's suggested, suggested, but not mandated. Not mandated. There's also some fasting practices involved. Mm -hmm. They do some... Friday, Wednesday, fasting. Friday, Wednesday, As long as, you know, you're not yep. hindering your sport ability. You know, got to be careful out there. You can't. With the, with the part of the challenge, obviously it's tough. Obviously it's hard to do alone. So that's why the sodality, you know, it's the sodality's core is brotherhood. And this challenge is made to secure a brotherhood because you, you can't do this challenge alone. You need someone to talk to. So this is one thing we did. We established anchors. So each person has another person that they can contact 24-7 in case they feel like they want to watch a uh, movie or if they want to eat a sweet. If they feel like they're falling into that temptation, they have that person to lift them out. And then the weekly sodality meetings become a group meeting to discuss what went wrong, what did they what did they uh, give into if they did. Because trust me, this is a hard challenge and no one's going to be perfect. But it's all about putting everything towards God. 
It's all about thinking, you know what? I can't indulge in this right now, but I know I'm giving that up for God. I like it. Sounds I mean, so good. One of That'd the, be good Lent. One of the, one of the biggest things I've thought about about Lent is, uh, I think it was a homily you might have done, Father, a couple years ago. But it's this belief that you have to do Lent like you know for a fact that Jesus' second comings on the day of Easter. It's like you're preparing everything so you're perfect for Easter. And it's just it's a good way because if if you comes on Easter, you're perfect. But if not, you're truly making yourself better and at your best for Christ during Lent. Love it. Well, you know, obviously this is quite a it's gonna be an endeavor for forty days. So you know, everyone's gotta let loose a little bit for the, party the days a leading up to it. So guess we'll kinda switch into talking about Mardi Gras and the Mardi Gras season that is upon us here. We're on Muses Thursday, even though it looks a little a little gray outside. Rain don't stop muses. We'll Rain see. Don't we'll stop see. Muses. <laughs> Hopefully not. With that though, I think this will be a good time to transition into Do you have some concerns? I do have some concerns, Father. I think it's time for some concerns. Welcome back, boys, to part seven. Yes, part seven of Killing's Concerns, Mardi Gras edition, where today I am going to be ranking parades. Uh, I have a little three, three-tier list of uh, parades that I have in my mind. For those at home that don't know what parades are, maybe you're listening and you don't live in New Orleans. Uh, parades are beautiful things that consist of a bunch of floats that uh, throw stuff at people and everybody just has fun. For those listening out of the country, of course. Uh, out of the country, of course. I know <laughs> we have our, some all of our international listeners. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just start quick. I'm just start uh, number three. I know you got to represent the day parades a little bit. So the best day parade, tux. Number three. Mm. What, what y'all think? Uh, I like I like the childhood mm. humor of it that throw toilets at you. I mean, hey, I will say the toilet paper is an iconic and you know really quite fun part. If you're a you know if you're a simply a spectator event, you know that toilet paper really brings a lot of fun, kind of lighthearted it's, laughter. Yeah, to it's the, innocent. I mean, innocent humor. I mean, I think it's a I think it's a fun parade. I don't think it deserves to be in the top five. It's very entertaining. It's Ooh. very fun. That's they fair. throw a That's lot. Fair. It's kind of a. It's one of the kind of the better days of Mardi Gras. That Saturday morning is always really fun, but I just don't know if it has like that X factor that makes it a top five parade. What, what do you think, Father? Uh, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. If I was gonna put a day parade, if you had to put a day parade, I, I know which one you're gonna say. I would say, well, you know, I don't count Toth as. I don't. Know, I just. I, I count Toth as something totally different like if i think day parade i think parade that people don't pay a lot of attention to people pay a lot of attention to. so i'm gonna say carrollton because carrollton is that weekend before it's it's not over the top it's a lot of families and it's just a great way of starting mardi gras in people's minds so i'm, I'm gonna go carrollton for a day parade given uh, that i'm not counting toth and and the Jays always march in, t- in Carrollton, which is always a fun sight to see. It can go support okay. support the band. First I see band. that. I see that point. I'm going to say, I think uh, an egregious failure upon the part of picking a day parade by my fellow companions. Why wow, you want Endymion, don't you? No, Endymion's not a day parade. Location ruins it. Um, Endymion is a great parade until the parade starts. All right, all right, we're not there yet. <laughs> let, uh, let me complete my point, guys. Okay, good goal. I think. I know Father Dyer said a day parade is one that one is not paid attention to. 
Got to go Rex. <laughs> Rex is the worst parade. Horrible take. This is the most factual statement in the world. The only people who like Rex are in Rex. No, the people who like I Rex. I disagree. I disagree. Uh-oh. I love Rex. I love Rex. That's sarcasm. No, I love Bro. Rex. Okay, the, you should see you should see the Nutley family. Each year they have costumes, family themed costumes. Like one year they were all different nuts, Brazil nuts, peanuts. I appreciate Cashew nuts. I appreciate their support. Last time I went to Rex, it was my birthday, and I got a sandwich wrapper thrown at me. Look, Rex is. I like Rex because I think it's. I think it's a good way to wrap up the season. It's nice and relaxing. It's not like. You know, pushing and shoving. I guess that you might call that Mardi Gras. That might be what Mardi Gras is for some people. But to me, I like that the relaxing, the decompressing. So if we're going to talk about day parades, I think Rex fills that void. No, Failure. it's it's because Rex Rex has the. It might be the most hoity-toity parade. It kind of is just excluding a lot of Mardi Gras. I mean, Proteus is the most hoity-toity because that's a bunch of old men on the floats looking at people throwing one bead at a time. That's true. true. Proteus and Rex. True. See, nobody's over here arguing for Proteus either. But yeah. Rex is just really exclusive. It kind of takes away some of the fun community of Mardi Gras because they just don't allow many people to be in Rex. And then nobody really enjoys going to Rex that much. Mm. Hot take. I'm going to move on to two. Coup d'etat. Mm-hmm. Another... another um, I mean, look, this is, these are just my experiences, y'all. But just another fun parade. Uh, Friday night, that's a beautiful time for a, a good, a solid parade. Again, I, for me, I like parades that um, kind of express all this, like, fun humor. Coup d'etat uh, notoriously has floats that make fun of issues. And it just brings out, like, a fun side of Mardi Gras that I, I just personally uh, respect and enjoy. Best floats, I'll give you that. They are, I would say, hands down, the best floats out of any, any crew. Great. But parade wise, there's no culture. There's, I think, I think it's, it's not bringing the Mardi Gras like some other day. I think of Friday night as the break between your muses Thursday and Saturday. That's all I think of it as. I disagree with this take I, so I much. I feel like I feel like Friday. It's always, it's always Friday night is Friday night is one of the is one of the best nights of Mardi Gras. Thank you. I mean, and also to give Crudetot credit. They invented the light up bead. If y'all didn't know, wow. Kudeta invented the light up bead. That's a very important. You just disrespected that, Patrick. I mean, night parades owe a lot of their fun and throws to the ability to have light up beads and other light up things. And Kudeta originated that, and I think they should get some credit. But are they are they a top three parade? No. I wouldn't put them as a top three parade I personally. Understand. I really like Kudeta, but it would not be my number two. I understand. All right. I, after hearing these two, I wanna, I want I'm, to I'm know very what Killian's number one. number one crew is. Bacchus. Okay, I can respect it. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a long Sunday night. Um, uh, just it's a long Sunday night uptown parade. I mean, it's what you think of. It's one of the parades that you uh you think of when you think Mardi Gras. They have that fame, They have a celebrity float every single year. It's cool to see which celebrity comes in the. Uh, <laughs> See Mardi Gras. They have the gorilla float that everybody gets to throw a bead back at, which is pretty dangerous actually, because you know if you miss the gorilla, you're hitting someone. But uh, overall, the bridge is nice. I like it. It's a number one. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Bacchus fan, so Bacchus would also probably be my number one. And I think it's just uh, personally, I think that Sunday is easily the best day of parades, mm-hmm. easily hands down. And I think 
kind of the gigantic, fun, light-up night parade is just a great way to cap it off. And I think the best parade on the best day of Mardi Gras should be number one on the list. I, and I, I'm not going to... Not going to qualm anyone. I think Bacchus is is either easily either one or two. I think it's an absolute snub not to have muses on this list. I think that's you know one of the ideal parades. I would think a lot of our listeners would think it's a snub that Endymion wasn't even mentioned, except for a, a, some brief side comments. So I mean, what are your? I know Father Dyer's a big Endymion guy. So you got any a bit of a? I to, I told you what I think. I think it's a great parade until the parade starts. The parade is five hours long, Father, so that's a rough five hours. The you Sorry. know the best part about Endymion is hanging out on Orleans and talking to people. The but once the per, I find that once Endymion starts, I don't know, it's kind of this dark mood descends upon Mid City, and uh, I don't know, it's a weird, people, it's some weird people juju. People get feisty. They get feisty. Feisty. They want their beads, Father. Yeah, they just they just don't they, turn on they don't keep it in line. You're friends so, with them. You know, I just, uh, I, I can't put Endemian up there. I, I can put Bacchus up there. You know, I could put Toth up there. I think, okay, here's the thing about Rex. Rex is a, it's a New Orleans parade. Like, by that time, all the out-of-towners have left. So, if you're walking around, you're just hanging out with New Orleans people. That's the big thing Rex has going for it. I mean, sure. I mean, we mentioned it, but I think Toth's also a snub on this list. Uh, Toth is a gigantic, fun parade. Toth is up there. It really I'm brings t- people I, together, I, I and I think it is truly a fantastic parade. You just have to watch out if you know any of the baseball coaches, because if they come by and see you, you are going to get pelted, and it may cause injury. Yes. All right, well, what an episode of Killing Concerns. I guess, Killing, you can sign us off. Uh, thank you all once again for listening to uh, Part 7 of Killing Concerns. Make sure to check back next time and uh, hear my next usually on popular rankings. And that was going to wrap up our episode for today of Season 4, Episode 8 of the 10-Minute Break Podcast. We had some great discussion today about sports, Lent, Mardi Gras, and there's our bell. Thank you for tuning in. It's I'm the not best. a Rex fan. I, love Rex. <laughs> I had a Rex bad experience. I had a bad experience. You get up early? Like, oh, the best Rex part of Mardi Gras. Yes. You get up early. That's yes. the best part about Rex. I love Rex. You get up early? Rex is uh, the best. I think the thing is like,